I'm Karen Lewis, and welcome to Recovery Bites, a show that gets real about recovery, where we welcome voices in the field and voices of experience. Join me for candid interviews with experts in eating disorder and mental health recovery. Listeners can look forward to new perspectives, meaningful conversations, diverse connection, and compelling personal narratives that make a powerful difference in how we live. Episodes focus on life beyond recovery, the good and the not so good, the successes and the challenges, and the authentic accounts of recovered lives. Not their whole story, just bites. All right, everyone, here we go. I'm really excited about today's guest. We have Courtney Joya, and Courtney talks about the importance of things like joyful movement, changing our mindset, being in community, nourishing not only our bodies, but our souls in order to move through the recovery process. It is a really beautiful episode, and I'm excited to just jump right in. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites. I am really excited. Today we have for a guest on the show, Courtney Joya. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have you here. I your message is so beautiful uh, about being in our bodies and joyful movement. So I'm just going to turn it to you and say, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? My name is Courtney Joya, although you may see me online as Courtney McCarthy because I just got married and changed my name. <laughs> so getting used to it. And I started Loyobo, which stands for Love Your Body Fitness, out of my own struggles with health and diet culture and movement and my own body to really prove that there's a different way that women and non-binary folks can relate to their bodies, can relate to fitness and movement, and to learn how to ditch diet culture and to make their own rules when it comes to health and wellness. You know, it's so interesting because there's 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 something about talking about exercise when you're when you're talking about eating disorders that some people are afraid to talk about it because you're like oh you're not supposed to exercise if you're recovering from an eating disorder some people don't understand that there's joyful movement and that's beautiful exercise and we also don't understand that we've been so conditioned by the weight loss fitness industry of what exercise is quote unquote supposed to be that it's 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 it shouldn't be, but sometimes it can be a complicated conversation. I'm just going to open it right there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, especially when we talk about that specific word, exercise, which is why a lot of what we do when we're describing exercise, we actually prefer the term movement because for so many people, exercise has a lot of negative connotations and a lot of negative experiences where you've been judged or shamed or been made to feel like you're not enough or that your body is broken. Or as you said, it's just so wrapped up in 
weight loss and changing your body and punishing your body. So we really prefer to use the term movement because I think it creates a little bit more openness to explore what your body feels good doing without all of the pressures that can come with fitness and exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share with listeners a little bit about your history, about how you got to this place of creating this incredible business model or model, whatever. And then I want to talk about it because it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, definitely. So I am not a typical instructor (laughs) in the sense that I don't have the background of like, always being active and always being an athlete and then going to school for, you know, kinesiology or fitness or whatever. And then, you know, becoming a trainer. I uh, have a background in something completely different. (laughs) I have a master's in political science. So it really did come about from my own experiences. And, you know, like many women, I don't remember a time where I didn't struggle with my weight and I didn't struggle with my body, and I didn't struggle with my relationship with food. And for me, especially in my teens and my young adulthood, exercise was about manipulating my body. It was about punishing my body. It was about sacrifice and you know, burning enough calories and, and making it look different, aka smaller. When I was in my mid-20s, you know, the snowball or the series of events that started the snowball of how I ended up here was um, I was in a relationship where my weight became a central issue. Uh, He blamed my weight for our physical intimacy issues and the problems in our relationship. So I became super hyper-focused on changing my body. And it was through that process that that two things happened. Number one, I lost all the weight. I realized he still didn't want me (laughs) and that I still wasn't happy, that I didn't feel, that I didn't end up feeling the way that, again, diet culture and the fitness industry tells us that you're supposed to feel, right? We're supposed to, there's all those things. When I lose weight, I'll be happy. When I lose weight, I'll feel desirable. When I lose weight, I insert whatever, you know, positive outcome here. And that didn't happen for me. And so it really started me asking questions as to why that didn't work and what other possibilities there are out there of how I can relate to my body and relate to movement. So that really got me asking questions about the body positive movement, about the anti-diet movement. And at the same time, you know, the one silver lining that came out of this is that, you know, I was, I was, again, like most women, I was trying everything, every fad diet, every cleanse, every fitness program, anything that I could to try to change my body. And in that process, I discovered Zumba, which was really the gateway and a big changing moment for me, because it was the first time in my life that I had experienced a safe space in a gym where it was just, it was a women's only gym the instructor looked like a normal person. She didn't look like, you know, a typical, you know, super shredded (laughs) fitness person. And she had this space where there was women of all sizes, all backgrounds, all nationalities, all ethnicities, all ages. And it was so joyful. And I found myself even like becoming emotional and crying in some classes because it was so new to me. This feeling was almost like overwhelming 
with like, is this how, is this how it's been supposed to feel all along? And so that started my mission of, of wanting to replicate that sort of feeling for other women of wanting to pass along that experience and that message and that powerful realization that there is a different way that we can be in our bodies. So, I mean, that's the Coles notes version, believe it or not, even though it's not very short, <laughs> that's the Coles notes version of, of how, you know, I came to create Loyobo and why I'm so passionate now about creating that safe space where it's okay to talk about these, these things. It's okay to talk about difficult subjects. It's okay to admit that it's a struggle and, and it's all based on this exploration of what brings you and your body joy. So there's a few things I want to point out. First of all, the fact that you fell in love with Zumba, which is pretty opposite from the feeling you get running on a treadmill by yourself, staring out, lifting weights by yourself, staring at yourself in the mirror. Zumba feels like community. It is dance. It is music. It is celebration. And that is joyful movement, right? That that That's why... You, it, I, I love that you said, I didn't even know my body could feel like this. Like, that's what the body, what we want our bodies to feel like. Not how many reps you're doing in the gym or how long you're running on the treadmill. So I, I just, I, I think I love that you, that's how you found it. I also think that your story or your narrative is so similar with so many people where they thought, somebody doesn't like me for my body. So I need to change my body as opposed to saying, I need to change my relationship. You internalized it and took it on as your responsibility to change. I think people often say, well, why didn't you just leave the relationship? Because I've had this many times in, in my, with my clients. And I would never say that to a client because I don't think life is that easy. I don't think solutions are that simple. Like, oh, why didn't you just leave? But Again, I just wanted to point out there was something that someone else didn't like and you and so many others say, okay, I'll take that on. I'll change. Well, especially because it confirmed what I already basically had spent my life believing about myself. Just somebody else had finally like really openly said it. So it was very easy for me to take that on. Like not easy from like an emotional standpoint, but it didn't feel like, I was doing anything unnatural. I felt like, of course, my weight's an issue. Of course, my body isn't good enough because that's what I had grown up believing. What was it like growing up? I mean, what was exercise like in your house? What was food like? Things like that. Yeah. I think, again, like, and we've been talking about this a lot in my community lately, is that I think that there are two types of experiences growing up, um, again, to very much oversimplify, is that I was not part of a household where um, I was ever directly and explicitly shamed in my body. I did live in a household where my mom explicitly and directly shamed herself a lot. And uh, when I was very young, my, I was naturally quite thin. And so I was praised a lot for my thinness. So I was from a very young age, I was very aware of basically the rules that if I wanted to be desirable and attractive and worthy, 
and praised and complimented and validated, I needed to be small. Um, and when it came to exercise, it, I was, I, I was a little bit active. I did enjoy some sports and I enjoyed dancing. Um, but it was not something that my family as a unit enjoyed movement. Um, again, what I saw from my mother was that movement was something that you did to change your body or to lose weight or maintain weight or whatever. I didn't see examples other than like sports world, which was like competitive and serious and, you know, work out and punish your body to, to be better, to win, (laughs) to achieve and maintain a status. Or it was the other end, which is it's to lose weight. It's not fun. It's serious. You have to work hard. So that 100% continued well into my adult years. It reminds me, and I've used this example before. So Doris Smeltzer, who, who's been on the show, she wrote a book called Andrea's Voice. Now, unfortunately, Andrea did not survive her eating disorder, but she talked about things like this, which is, I never shamed Andrea for her body, but I would look in the mirror and dissect my own body and say, I don't like this about myself. I don't like that. And she said, and Andrea would look at me and say, but I have that same body. What does that mean then? So it is, it is unbelievable what minds, little minds are absorbing. And yes, we do live in a culture where often women are like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. But again, think of it as your child staring at you saying, I have that body. So then I must not like it. So I must need to go to the gym and work out really hard. And I must need to change it. Yeah. And even if you don't have the same body, like in, in my example, like when I was young, my, my mom and I had very different bodies. You definitely still internalize the messages of okay, well, I have to try to not look like that. I have to try to maintain what I do look like or vice versa. Like I've worked with clients where it's the opposite, right? Where mom had the smaller figure and you had the larger body and then constantly being, you know, same thing. Like if she's saying that about her figure and I look like this, then I must be, you know, grotesque or even worse. So it's it's something that's really important that, you know, when it comes to healing your relationship with your bodies and, and doing the work that we're talking about, it is about so much more than you. And I don't mean that in a sense to put pressure on or expectations, but more so to think of answering that question, like, why does it matter? When you're able to heal your relationship with your own body, if you have children, that is an incredible gift that you're able to give them. But also, even if you don't have kids, and we again, we talk about this a lot in the community, it's amazing what happens when you create that sort of energy in your friends group, in your family you know, unit, in the people around you. They are going to notice, and they are going to start having those gears turning in their own brains and in their own relationships with their body. And I've had people tell me, you know, oh, I have noticed that my friends eat differently around me than they do around other people because they've become that safe space where they can actually eat without judgment or without shame or without fear. So it's incredible that when you're able to do the work, it has ripple effects. And same thing, when you when you don't do the work, 
when you are steeped in diet culture, or insecurities, or body hate, or body shame, it does impact your kids and the people around you, and it keeps perpetuating the fat phobia and the weight stigma and all these really awful messages that we carry with us. Share a little bit about the mission of Loyobo. Like, talk about there's pillars. It's really, it's a beautiful way of, of existing. So share a little bit about it. Sure. So we operate under what we call the self-love formula, which does have four pillars. So the first is movement. So everything that we've talked about, really examining your relationship with exercise and movement and the role that it has in your life and using movement to, to build your strength, to feel confident in your body, to find joy. Then we have mindset, which is all about everything that goes on between the ears. So your self-talk, um, understanding diet culture and the impacts that it has on your relationship with your body and really learning what that language of body acceptance and body trust looks like and how to actually implement it in your day-to-day -day life. Then we have community, which is so, so, so important because diet culture and the fitness industry and the beauty industry and everything that profits off of you feeling like crap about yourself, they want you to feel abnormal. They want you to feel alone. They want you to feel isolated and like your body is broken. So it's so important, you know, Karen, as you said, to, to have these conversations. Shame lives in darkness. So it's all about shining a light, normalizing normal bodies, normalizing normal struggles in normal bodies, and making sure that you have that support network to lift you up. And then our final pillar is nourishment. And that's where it's kind of two parts, <laughs> both nourishment from a mindful eating perspective. So really learning how to ditch food rules, learning how to heal your relationship with food, learning how to take the stress out of eating and again, find a different way forward, but also like soul nourishment of, <laughs> you know, feeling emotionally fulfilled and feeling fulfilled in your life. And I love what you said about the mission, because to tie it back to what I was just talking about, about how it's so much more than you. My original mission when it came to like why I became an instructor and why I started teaching was again to create that safe space when it came to fitness when it came to movement but it's gotten so much bigger than that and it actually ends up in a cool way tying back to even my degrees in political science and my desires originally to to pursue that career path because to me when women and non-binary folks feel badly about their bodies that impacts the way that they show up in their life. That impacts the way that they show up in their communities. That impacts the career choices they make, the family choices they make, all of their decisions. So to me, my mission, I want voices to be louder. I want women and non-binary folks to be, to be confident in their bodies and feel powerful enough to start taking up space, to start having their voice heard, to start claiming that spotlight that many of us have shied away from for years because we don't feel good enough. So to me, it's really about empowering people to create their own rules, to define it for themselves in their life, and then to see what happens when you actually are able to feel really good and powerful in your body. When we heal ourselves and also help others heal, the the collective energy, which is what you were saying, the collective energy of, of all of us improves. This is not just about I win, I'm, I, I got to this place and now I'm on top. 
It's about bringing everybody with you. So we're all together gaining from these, from these experiences. Does that make sense or? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important part of body positivity that often doesn't get spoken about is body positivity isn't just about feeling okay and good in your own body. It's also really about making sure that all bodies have respect. And, and when we go back to its roots, right, we're talking about a lot of fat, black, queer women who, who are at the, the forefront of this movement. So what I have often found in the work that we do, and it's, again, it's so important to include as a topic of conversation, is that when you are able to heal your relationship with your own body, and most importantly, to find compassion and empathy for your own body, you then are able to, in turn, have a lot more compassion for other bodies, especially bodies that look different than you, especially bodies that have different abilities than you, people who have different needs. And you're able to start looking at the world through a different lens of rather than, you know, what it currently is, which, which is very, you know, diet culture based, thin ideal, whatever you can say, okay, how can we make this world more inclusive so that more people feel better in their bodies so that more people are able to live really content, fulfilled lives. And that is, in my opinion, a much, much more fulfilling way to live your life and to be able to connect to other people and and is really like a fantastic goal to work towards. How does community come into your four pillars? Like, is it just the community of everybody being in the same room and working towards the same goal? Like, say a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it permeates everything. (laughs) So even for example, in any of our live classes, we often start our classes with icebreakers and get to know you questions and social time where we you know, it's, it's just about getting to know the other people in class with you. We have weekly group coaching calls where, again, it's just about talking and sharing our experiences and having those powerful moments of seeing yourself reflected and mirrored back to you in the struggles of other people of recognizing, oh, I'm, I'm not the only person that feels this way. This is, this is pretty normal. And that's a good, that's a good feeling to have. Um, but it's also in the things that we do again with like the, the conversations that we tackle. So I'm always looking for ways to bring in guest experts and to open up different types of conversations to tackle more difficult and uncomfortable conversations as well. Like we recently did a workshop, um, in the community that was all about speaking your truth. So for example, we've all found ourselves in situations, right, where like somebody's talking about their recent diet or somebody's talking badly about their body or somebody's talking about celebrating their weight loss and how do you handle it, especially if you're in recovery or especially if that doesn't align with your values, how do you show up? And so it was a real workshop of like answering that question. How do you, <laughs> how do you show up? Um, so it's, it's, it's both having that connection and bonding with other people, but also building the skills of, you know, how to relate to one another, how to be your most authentic self and, and have that support system that you need. What are some of the examples that you can draw from, from that workshop when people are sitting with somebody who's talking about diet obsessed things and weight and fat, like how, how do you show up? What was, what was the answer? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm sure we could we could do a whole podcast just on that topic alone. Um, I mean, there's there's different strategies to handling it. It's it's very dependent on like who this person is to you, what your goals of the interaction are. It could be as simple as flipping the focus. So if somebody's talking about weight loss, you could flip the focus rather than commenting directly on the weight loss or celebrating the weight loss, you could say, how do you feel in your body? You know, are you feeling strong? Are you feeling capable? Are you feeling empowered? And trying to get them to reflect on those sort of conversations. It could be something a little bit more direct of saying, you know, I know you're trying to compliment me, but I really would feel so much more supported in my body if you just refrain from commenting when my body changes. Or it could be simply walking away and letting your absence (laughs) or your lack of engagement be the most powerful words to say, you know, this isn't something that I'm comfortable with. But those are just a few examples that can be really more aligned choices of how we can show up and and start to, again, plant those seedlings in other people that, that these sort of conversations don't have to be normal. They can be really harmful. And there there is a different way that we can relate to one another. I also want to go into nourishment because this, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about nourishing your soul. Yeah. Like it nourishes my soul to, to live in my value. And so talk a little bit about that. Um, Because again, we do, we do live in a world where there's all this talk about weight, diet, calories, whatever, that doesn't match my values. So these conversations do not nourish my soul. Yeah. Say a little bit about it. And, and it means that we have a lot of conversations about pleasure. (laughs) I think it sounds so simple when I say it, but pleasure, again, especially for people who identify as women is such a like taboo, no, no thing, right? Like pleasure is, is very demonized and, and it's not something that we often feel comfortable talking about or even equate to the value that our bodies bring to the table. Like they, they are our vessels of joy and pleasure <laughs> and feeling lots of good things. So I think that's a big part of the nourishment component is, is again, talking about that, being aware of it, and really trying to get people to notice pleasure and to really intentionally seek it out in their self-care choices. And also from a nourishment perspective, you know, we talk a lot about mindfulness in the community, about being present, about asking questions, and about really listening, learning how to listen to what your body tells you. We often, especially in diet culture, right, the message is we have to control our body. So we're often very much in our mind, in our brain, trying to operate from the top down (laughs) of like, what I think up here has to be true. So therefore I have to make my body, I have to, again, punish and force my body to conform to what I'm thinking or what I'm wanting or what I'm desiring. And we really try to flip that script. Can we start with our bodies? Can we start with asking questions and being open rather than, again, like so much of the fitness industry has plans, right? They have answers. They have one size fits all approaches. We throw that all out the window because we think it's bull. (laughs) So it's all about, no, let, let us show you the tools of how to turn inward, how to find out and again, listen and, and learn how to understand the messages and the signals that your body's telling you. Because I think that's a way, again, as far as like living in our values, 
that's a way to feel aligned. That's a way to feel authentic is to really get the answers and learn how to get the answers from inside of yourself. I also want people who are listening to this to have compassion because none of this comes easy. Mm -mm. This is not an overnight, just like recovering from an eating disorder does not happen overnight. Having, being in touch with your body, with your body cues, your sensations, your values, it isn't, it is not an easy thing until it is. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, a hundred percent. It's not, it's yeah. So I don't want to be like, oh, it's still not easy. Now it's like impossible to go against my values, mm-hmm. to not tune into my body. But getting there was quite a journey for me. Do you have any feedback about how people start the process or, you know, things like that? Yeah. And I often compare it to an onion where <laughs> there's many different layers. And even still, I'm sure you can agree in my journey, it's like, I think I'm good. And then I discover like, oh, here's a new layer of like the internalized fat phobia or, you know, shame beliefs or whatever. So I I never also like to hold myself up as a pedestal of like, I don't have all the answers. I still have bad body image days. I still have, again, those, those thoughts of shame and, and fat phobia that come up, but now I have the tools and the strategies to learn how to move with them. So I don't get stuck in, in those low feelings anymore. I also really want to acknowledge that the first step is often the hardest, right? Is, is really allowing yourself to be vulnerable, really allowing yourself to receive these sort of messages, to step into the fear and anxiety. You know, something, some, a question that I often get from people who are maybe like just dipping their toes in the anti-diet, you know, joyful movement approach, there's still this fear that exists, right? Like I've had people say to me, Courtney, I love, I love the idea of giving myself permission to unconditionally eat all foods. I love the idea of, of only moving in ways that bring me joy. But I feel like if I do that, it brings me to this really scary place of what if I gain a bunch of weight? What if I am out of control? What if, you know, giving myself permission to eat all the foods mean I eat all the donuts all the time? Or what if, you know, giving myself permission to only move in a way that feels good for my body means that I, I just am not moving because I don't like exercise. And I love what you said, Karen, too, because it is very true of when you're starting this work, it feels real ick. It feels real uncomfortable. And those voices of diet culture, of fitness industry, of self-blame and shame, all of those voices are going to be so much louder. And one of my community members actually recently compared it to a radio. And it's like trying to find a station with the static, right? It, it can be, you can feel like you're scrolling forever and it's noisy and it's loud and it doesn't make any sense until all of a sudden, get it, you're in the right station. So the, the biggest takeaway is I want you to believe that and have faith that it's possible. As somebody who has been in your shoes, as somebody who has spent, again, decades and decades hating and shaming and trying to change my body, it is possible to feel differently. It's possible for it to not feel so hard and stressful all the time. And even if it feels super far away, as long as you focus on continuing to choose love, continuing to show up, 
and be open and curious and ask questions, you will get there. You will get there. And it may not look the way that you think it's going to look or that you expect it to look, but often it's even better. And when you're able to find that freedom, that freedom to just be in your body and to live your life knowing that your worth doesn't come from your body, that that's just part of the equation, that your worth and your attractiveness and your beauty and your confidence and your strength comes from so many other things that when those bad body days happen, you're able to bounce back. You're able to handle it in stride. You're able to keep learning and growing. So it's tough. It's difficult. But so is living in shame. So is living in hate. So is choosing all of those choices. So surround yourself with people who lift you up, who are giving you these messages constantly, who are providing you with that reassurance and validation that you can do it, that you're not broken, that your body is not the problem and keep taking those baby steps forwards and you'll get there. And so sort of coming back to your mission, it is about one of the ways or or I'm going to say one of the ways of getting there is learning joyful movement. Mm being in community, nourishing your body and your soul, paying attention to your mindset. And so the, I, I hate to use the word formula, but for the sake of this conversation, the formula that you've created is out there. Nobody can do this alone. Yeah. Nobody can do this without joy, meaning joyful movement. Nobody can do this without nourishment or in the current mindset that you're in when you're in the eating disorder. So, yeah. And you can't do it without your own body's wisdom too, because you're right. Like formula makes it sound like I'm going to give you, you know, this beautiful, you know, X, Y, Z, A plus B plus C equals, you know, happiness. And that's not at all what it is. You know, you have all the answers. We just have to learn how to look inside. So it's, it looks different on everybody. And that's part of the beauty of it. Courtney, it has been such a pleasure having you on, and I'm so sorry we have to bring this to an end. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share with listeners? Any any final thoughts? I mean, you gave, <laughs> you, ha- you had some great questions, so we covered a lot. I think, you know, I just would love to invite people that, you know, if, if I can be part of your network, if I can be part of your support system, I'd love to get to know you, and I'd love to continue this conversation anytime, have me back anytime. <laughs> I was just going to say, I hear episode, episode two of this coming out, which this, this is what's so much fun about this podcast is these, these dialogues become so rich and so passionate that often people are like, I have more to say. And I'm like, fantastic. Let's do a part two. So yeah, I never have problem talking. Courtney, we will, listeners are being told right now, there will be a part two. So thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone, that does it for another episode of Recovery Bites. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe.